Because our thoughts cannot be, or not self-governed, they must be managed. Paul tells us some really interesting things in the book of 2 Corinthians, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. And, and chapters, I want you to read that with me like you know it is the word of his power. Let's read it together now. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What's interesting to me is that those are fighting words. And, you know, when I grew up in Shreveport, when someone said some things to you that provoked what you were doing uh, and challenged you, we would say them some fighting words. And so what we find here is that Paul has said some fine words. One is because what we see here in this particular passage, we see words like weapons. We see strongholds. We see word demolish. And it talks about bringing things into captivity. And it sounds like that there must be a force and there must be a fight. So first, before we really kind of get into this this morning, let's look at what is a stronghold? What is a stronghold? Because a stronghold can be a place of safety, and a stronghold can be a place of comfort. David uh, saw God as a stronghold in Psalm 144. David said that, you know, you are my stronghold, and you cause my enemies to be subdued under me. But you know what's interesting, though, is that stronghold, when we talk about it as it relates to battle or uh, or war. Strongholds are important when we're looking at war because what they do is that they uh, give you an advantage over your enemies uh, because strongholds are, uh, are what's considered to be high places where you can see your enemy and your enemy have a very difficult time if they can at all get to your stronghold. I want to show you a physical stronghold and this is a physical stronghold and what you, what you see here is that it is a fortress on the top of a hill. And you can think about that, that whenever you're in a battle and you're at the top of a hill, if your enemy tries to get to you, you're at an advantage where you can pick your enemy off one by one. And because you're at a higher level, then it makes it very difficult for your enemy to get to you. So your stronghold is a place of safety and it's a place of being comfortable. Now, when we look at that then, we recognize that if the Bible tells us to demolish strongholds, what is Paul talking about? See, he's really talking about uh, prisons of the mind. He talks about how our mind can become or be in a cage with walls built around it and that the enemy wants to prevent the thing that can advance our lives, progress our lives from getting in. And so he talks about it being in our thoughts, the prison of our thoughts. And so when we look at physical strongholds and we can look at spiritual strongholds, the question is, do we have any evidence in the Bible that strongholds can be demolished? Now we know that Paul tells us that, they, that we should do that, but the Bible says that the, the Old Testament is a type and shadow of the New Testament and so we should see evidence in the Old Testament of what they're instructing us in the New Testament. And so notice this. So can strongholds be demolished? And, you know, I love it in 2 Samuel chapter 5 
what you find here is that David uh, went into the city of Jerusalem and the Jebusites were there. And the Jebusites saw Jerusalem as a stronghold, but David wanted to make it a place of worship. And, and so notice what they said in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. They began to taunt David. And, and they said, hey, hey, David, this is our stronghold. You shall not come in here. I don't know about you, but them some fighting words. You shall not come in here. Notice what they said. But the blind and the lame will repel you. And they were thinking that David cannot come in here. But notice verse 17, or verse 7 rather. It says never, it says what? What does it say? Nevertheless what? David took the stronghold of Zion. Now, isn't that interesting? What David did is he sent Joab who broke through the tunnels and then he broke through the water tunnels and he opened a door. Uh, into uh, the city, and David and his men went in. But, but notice what they were telling David. David, this is our stronghold. We know it's secure. We know we're safe. And they said that, I I'll tell you how safe we are, David, that even the people that cannot see can keep you out. Even the people that are blind can keep you out. E David, I'll tell you how secure our stronghold is. Even the people that cannot walk can keep you out. So the blind and the lame, they are, are the ones who can keep you out. We don't even need our strong men to keep you out. Why? Because we're in our stronghold. But nevertheless, would you say nevertheless? <laughs> nevertheless, David took the stronghold. And so let me just say this this morning, that God knows your stronghold. Let's say it like this. God knows how to get through strongholds. And God wants to tell you how to get and overcome your strongholds. But you have to be willing to fight. You have to be willing to fight. See, because it's a fight. It's a fight. Let me ask you this. Uh, and most of you probably grew up really, really well off, and you didn't have to struggle. I remember that there was a time when I was young, and I didn't have air conditioning in my car. I can't even imagine it today. Uh, but, but, but I didn't have air conditioning in my car, and so uh, I, would, I would ride down the street, and it was hot. The top was falling down on the inside, but I was low riding, leaning in the scene with a gangster lean. Ooh, ooh. Thought I was cool. Sweating. Get home, look in the, in the mirror, all greasy. I didn't know that was the anointing back then. But, but, but let me ask you this. Have you ever had a car that was severely out of alignment? And, 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 and see, see, I had a car in, and it was so out of alignment that it would, it would just turn to the left. And so I had to struggle to keep it on the road. And the only time that I found relief is when I had to make a sharp left turn. I could turn the wheel loose, and it would just turn. Does anybody know what I'm talking about up in here? Now, no, 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 no. The tough part was not only just keeping it on the road, but if I needed to go right, it was a struggle to turn and fight that thing, not only to hold it on the, on, on the road, but to turn right. Because why? That everything was pulling against me to the left. Why? It's because it was out of alignment. 
That's what happens in our thoughts and our mind when it's not consistent with the word of God. We have to fight the wheel to get those thoughts into alignment. This is what I love in Isaiah. He, he says it like this. He says that David knew God so, uh, so well, and Isaiah began to talk about him. And he says that you will keep him in perfect, what? Perfect peace. That means you don't have to struggle. Oh, wow. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is staying on you because he trusts in you. Let's read that together, church. Let's read it together now. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is staying on you. Why? Why? So what causes you, your mind, to be at peace? It's when you trust in him. See, I've been, I, over my young, short life, what I've noticed is that a person doesn't really choose what they believe, but they choose who they will believe, which determines what they will believe. See, they don't choose what they will believe, but they choose who they will believe, which determines what they will believe. You know, and if you know somebody lie all the time, you don't, what, trust them. And if you do not trust them, you do not what? Believe them. But notice what it says, that he will give us perfect peace. Wouldn't it be wonderful that when you lay down at night, that just as the Bible says, you had sweet sleep. Man, you know what's interesting? Is that I'm sleeping so well these days that um, I was talking to someone the other day and I say, man, I sleep. Uh, whenever I'm tired, I just go to sleep. The other day, I went to sleep at 4.30. Woke up at 8.30. The lights were still on outside. I thought it was morning. Then I was up for a little while, and I went back to sleep and woke up at 6 o'clock. And man, it feels so good. You know what? I sleep so much that sometimes I get tired of sleeping. So, so let me just share this with you. We've got to look at it, how God wants to, to renovate our thoughts, how God wants to renovate our mind. How does he do it? How do we trust him? And that, that Paul says that what we've got to do is we don't wrestle against uh, the things of this world. But, but our gifts are very powerful, and, and, and these gifts are so powerful that they, they can pull down the things of our enemy that they think are comfortable, that they think are, is their security in our lives. And can you imagine that if your brain or if your mind is in a prison, that your life is in a prison? But notice what God has given us. He has given us his word. And I just want to share with you just very quickly a couple of things about his word. But in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we've got to look at this. We've got to look at it. What is the purpose of God's word? In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Let's read that together, church. Let's read it together now. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. Thoroughly equipped for now, 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 I want you to stay right there because the Bible says that the, 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 the Bible, that, that the word of God is good for doctrine. Uh, let's be clear on it. The, the purpose of the Bible is not so you could have doctrine. It's good for doctrine. The purpose of the Bible is not so you could be reproof. It's good for reproof. The purpose of the Bible is not so somebody can correct you but it's good for correction. The purpose of the Bible is not to instruct you in righteousness, but it is good 
for instructing you in righteousness. But the purpose of the Bible is the so that. So that the man and the woman of God can be what? Complete. That means whole. That means nothing lacking. Look, the purpose of the Bible is to change your life. And it does it by giving you doctrine. It does it by giving you instruction. It does it by reproofing you. It, it does it. But, 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 but so often, many times, there is a, a, a framework that we think that we got to know doctrine. We got we to gotta instruct someone. And so I wanted to share something with you here this morning because the Bible is not about education, but it's really about transformation. It's about how God really wants to change your life. It's about how we allow the love of God to change our inside so that we can demonstrate that love to those that are sitting around us and those that are on our jobs. Why? It's because God has given us a ministry that is in the marketplace. Do you know that your ministry is wherever you go? It's in the grocery store. It's in the marketplace. It's like that people don't need you to hear you talk about the Bible. They need to see you live it. Let's see this real quick. What we have here in our life today is that in the old days, what we used to do is that we used to have our, our computers or our phones. And what we used to do is that we used to hook them up to our computer and then they would download or upgrade, uh, upload uh, new, new software, new apps. And, 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 and so we could get an upgrade to our software system simply by connecting it to our computer. But now today, we have the cloud. And you don't have to connect it to your computer. When you take a picture, that it's on every device that you have that's connected together. So, so notice this. We don't have to connect. Now why? It's because it is wireless. It is simultaneous. So can you look at that as just as the word of God, no matter where you are? You don't have to be connected to a, a, a system. You don't have to be in your office. But wherever you are, God can download his word so that your life can be upgraded. Let's look at this. So when it comes to the word of God, why do we read? Why do we read? And let's just make sure we get it really correct. Number one, would you write this down? We read the word for depth, not for length. You know, for years, uh, when we began, begun the church, what we did is that we used to give out these little daily devotional, and the people would read, um, you know, Old Testament, New Testament, and Proverbs in a, in a year that they would have read the entire Bible. And, and that was noble. And, and if you did that, it would only take like 45 minutes a day, and it was great. And it started out really, really wonderful, but over a period of time, how many of you know that it, then things just start slacking? And... It was never God's intention that you try to read the Bible in a year. But it was God's intention that whatever you read, it got on the inside of you and that it changed your life. And so what we do is that we read the Bible for depth, not for length. How many of you know that when God instructs us to pray, God instructs us to pray the prayer of faith, not the prayer of length? Just because you pray for two hours does not mean that God hears you. But I saw someone get healed. Uh, from a, a terminal illness, simply with these words, Father, give them a blood transfusion from the foot of the cross. Went to the doctor and was healed of a terminal illness. So we pray the prayer of faith, not the prayer of what? Length. So the first thing that we recognize is that we read the Bible for death, not for length. The second thing is that we retain it for truth, not for trivia. See, the Bible is for application. It's not for trivial retention. 
See, you don't now have to know who Ehud is and that he was left-handed. But what you do have to make sure is that when you read the word and you look for the application in the word, that you're able to apply that in your life. See, when we look at that and we recognize that the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but the rest of the New Testament, uh, uh, Paul's letters are really about how to apply Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's about application. See, because if you just know it but do not apply it, then the Bible says you have knowledge but it puffs up and it does you no good. But, but notice, uh, if we look at it and we say it, say it like this. You know, I have a cell phone and it's the next generation. It's like a Galaxy, Samsung, which is so much better than the phone eyes. So you upgrade your phone eye, they'll slow your speed up. Okay, I'm just kidding. Let me get so I have this, and, and what I do is, and it, let me just say it like this. Let's say that I, I, I have this and I have a wireless headset. So when I go and I, I have Amazon Music on here and I can tune my music and put my phone in my pocket and I can jog, I can exercise, I can work out, and I love it. One is because it keeps me moving, it keeps me going. But let me say this to you, that what if that I said to you that, you know, I've been researching uh, exercising and uh, I've been researching weight training. And because I recognize that unlike when I was younger, parts of my ministry is expanding. And so I am looking at uh, exercise, and I can tell you anything about CrossFit. I can tell you anything about exercising various parts of your body. I can tell you anything that you want to know about how to be healthy. And if someone said to me, Liddell, when was the last time you exercised? And I said, well, it's been about three months since I've exercised. You know, what would they say? They would say that you're a hypocrite. You're talking about what you know, but you haven't put it into practice. And that's what happens. It's like when, when, we, when we know the word and we use it for trivia, we demonstrate how much we know. I have a Bible, and this Bible is so, it's kind of worn out. It needs a new cover, but the, but the little, it, it's not leather because if it was leather, it, they told me it was leather when I bought it. But you know how, to, how it starts peeling off? That was like play leather. And so it's part of this kind of torn off, and, and it looks really worn. And, 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 and what I used to do is on the plane, I used to carry it, and I used to read it on the plane. But I don't carry it and read it on the plane now like I used to. And the reason is that people look at, look at it, and they say, wow, you must really, really read your Bible a lot. And then they, get, they, they put walls up because they think you're some spiritual giant. Do you know whenever I go somewhere, I don't really tell people that I'm a pastor, or I work in, I, if they ask me something, I say, well, I serve in ministry, but I don't say that I'm a pastor, why? Because the first time when you say, oh, I'm a pastor, people put you in a box and they will, they, they will, they will be guarded and not really seek to be open for a relationship with you. H have you noticed that? That, that, that people will do that. So, so one of the things that I do, I just kind of like, I just, I'm just me, you know, and I just, hey, how you doing? What's going on? And I'm cool like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, what are you listening to? Oh, man, I love the Isley Brothers. That song I love, Living for the Love of You. Oh, yeah, 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 I love Isley Brother too. What about Earth, Wind, and Fire? You like that? Yeah. Do you know that? So you just kind of start talking 
And you know, I, said, I love those songs, you know, and I'm, I serve in ministry. And uh, one of the great things about it is that those are songs we, can, we, we love to listen to and we can listen to, and it's okay to listen to those songs, you know, but there are some that we don't. And, and then you just kind of start developing a conversation with them out of what's natural, not something that is out of position, but out of relationship. We read the word of God for truth, not for trivia to show how much you know. Lastly, let me just share this with you. The Bible tells us that, as Paul shares it, that we go from glory to glory. And, and the word glory means something that is admired and something that is honored. And so often in our lives, what we do is we misunderstand the meaning of glory and, and we misunderstand the glory of God. And so if we look around here, that in this building, there is a force. Really, we cannot see the force that is in this building, but there is a force in this building and it's called electricity. And this force comes and becomes connected to this building by a lot of wires. These wires feed receptacles, those things that can receive the electricity. And so we can recognize that, that because of those receptacles, then now we can enjoy the place where we are more comfortably. Now, we have the lights. We have the sound system. Those things are receptacles that connect up to the power that is connected to this building. And so as a result of that, we are able to affect change in the atmosphere. And we're able to do it not just because of the power, but we're able to do it because of the power that is unseen is able to cause us to experience something that we can hear and that we can see. But when we began to develop the receptacles that are needed, one of the things that happens is that this power becomes assimilated and it becomes transmitted. And then the power of electricity is manifested so that we now can see the glory of a light bulb, the glory of the sound system. And we can turn the switch off and the glory goes away. But the power is still there. And so it's important then that we recognize that what Paul says that that, that, that it, is the, it is, the, is the word of his power. And he says that, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of God, for it is the, what? Power of God unto delivering us, saving us, moving us to another level. And so you, you first have to, what? Hook up to the power. And if you hook up to the power, then the power will produce the glory. And the glory will produce the change. You can't come to church and, and get into the glory and change because it's not the glory that gets on you, it's the glory that gets in you. And so you have to get the power working on the inside of you. And so the kind of change God wants to affect in our lives, it comes from the inside before we'll ever see it on the outside. And that's why in the book of Hebrews chapter 1, the Bible says he upholds all things by the word of his power. That's why we have to read the word to renovate our thoughts, to, to, to pull down strongholds, uh, to, to places of safety. And we can get in a place of safety and stronghold by being in his presence, by receiving his word, by declaring his word, and by living his word. And that's how what God has said, that his power is in him and in his word, it also becomes part of our lives. And so what God has done, he's given us his word. And when you know his words, you can have power. 
And when you know his power, you can produce his glory. And it is the glory that causes change in our lives. So when you know power, you know glory. Then you know change. Well, you can't know change unless you, you experience glory, but you can't experience glory unless you know his power. And by knowing his power, it produces glory in our lives. And it is the glory that causes us to change.